In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. My dear friends in Christ, we know from our catechism that the virtue of faith is the virtue that enables us to believe what God has revealed. Even though we may have no way of verifying it ourselves, we believe what God has revealed because just as he is never deceived, he never deceives us. The First Vatican Council tells us that there is a twofold order of knowledge. In one order, we know by natural reason, in the other by divine faith. The mysteries hidden in God, but which we have to believe and which can only be known to us by divine revelation. For example, if we were to walk into a friend's living room and find a few people there, well, we would be able to count them and then say, with certainty, there are six people in the room, or there are eight people in the room, or however many. Counting is something which we do with our unaided natural reason, and something we are able to do with a great deal of confidence in the knowledge we gain. On the other hand, if someone were to ask us to count the number of persons in God, now, we would be at a complete loss. To begin with, we might not even be aware that there are persons in God. There is but one God. So with no more information than this, we would probably be inclined to, to guess that there is only one person, and we would be wrong. It's only because God has revealed it to us that we can say that there is a Father and that there is a Son and that there is a Holy Ghost. Once, we, once this has been revealed to us, we can count them, one, two, and three. Now the difference, of course, is that the people in the room, in the living room, can be detected by our senses. We can see them, we can hear them, or, or, or touch them, and know that they're there. And then, we can count them. The Trinity and the number and a number of other things, although quite real, are hidden in God and not subject to our detection. Now, not surprisingly, God places a great deal of importance on our acknowledging the truths which He has revealed, learning them, believing them, and publicly professing them. In fact, the belief in what God has revealed is the beginning of the path to salvation. On the day of our baptism, even until the very day on which we die, we must believe and profess the faith which has come down to us from our blessed Lord through the apostles and in our own time through the Catholic Church. Now, in today's Gospel, our blessed Lord is critical of the apostles for their lack of faith. Although it's not immediately clear from reading the Gospels, we can assume that our Lord had revealed to them that they were part of his plan for salvation. 
and that he was not going to, to allow little wind and water to frustrate that plan. He had called them to discipleship while they fished in the, the same island sea of Galilee or, or Tiberias, saying that he was going to make them fishers of men. They went around with him as he preached the word of God, as he healed the sick, as he cast out devils from those possessed. They heard him preach his sermon on the mount. As we heard a few weeks back, both the leper and the Roman centurion came to Jesus with absolute certainty, with absolute faith in his ability to work miraculous cures. So our blessed Lord was probably a little disappointed that his own apostles, his own friends in, in the boat lacked that same belief in him as the Roman centurion and as the leper, who knew that Jesus didn't even need to be where his miracles were worked. Now perhaps this, this miracle was noted in the Gospels for our benefit. Modern critics of the Catholic faith often suggest that Jesus didn't really cure anyone, that the illnesses and particularly the devils were just psychosomatic. They suggest that the only faith involved was Jesus restoring the faith of these people in themselves, thus making them able to cast off their merely imagined illnesses. Such critics, of course, ignore the physical reality of death and resurrection. But certainly, no one was going to be able to calm the wind and the sea with any kind of, of psychology. This was clearly an exercise in divine power. The miracle is also noted for our benefit on a different level. <clears throat> we live in one of those eras in history when there is great cause for concern about the future. From a purely human point of view, we have been given a number of reasons to wonder whether or not our society, our culture, our civilization, and yes, even the church will survive from the purely human point of view. We can look around us, and in all of these institutions, we see enemies without. We see scandalous behavior within. Although it might not be certain what the, the apostles had been told before the storm arose on the sea. We do know what they were promised later on promises which apply to us as well. <coughs> There's never going to be a, a time when, when the saving graces of the sacrament are nowhere to be found. Well, we might have to look hard for them because false Christs and false prophets will arise to lead astray even po if possible the elect. As our Lord warned us, but he also said, he also said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell 
shall not prevail against it. The church didn't always have the splendor, wealth, and power it had in the Middle Ages. And unfortunately, it never will again. But the forces of hell will not overcome her and those who follow her authentic teaching. Teach ye all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you all days, even unto the consummation of the world. Our Lord has been with us who tough times in the past, and he will be with us through tough times in the future, until time itself comes to an end. Certainly, difficult times are a sign that we're following our Lord, and not the rulers of this world. Jesus himself says it. What does he say? He says, if you had been of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. The true faith, we know very well, has often been persecuted. In the New Testament and in our early histories, we read about persecutions, first by the Jews, then by the Romans. Some of the persecutors were converted. St. Paul, for example, the Emperor Constantine, for example. And the temple and the empire ceased to exist. Shortly thereafter, we had the Arian heresy. People denied the divinity of Jesus Christ. The papacy was in politically generated disarray. Only a few priests and bishops remained faithful to the truth. God raised up the great Saint Athanasius, the Bishop of Alexandria, not Alexandria, Louisiana, Alexandria in Egypt, who rallied, that was a joke, by the way, who rallied the faithful to, to defeat the heresy in the church and in the empire. Then came the barbarian invasions, tribes from Germany, from Scandinavia to the north, and as far as from Mongolia to the east, invaded Europe and North Africa, bringing murder, theft, political chaos and disarray, more heresy. It was the church that endured and formed Western civilization out of what was left. Then came the Mohammedans, continuously, for over a thousand years, starting in around 700 AD. But again, the church and Western institutions were able to protect themselves, sometimes with the help from above, that can only be described as divine intervention, often through the protection of our Blessed Lady. Constantinople in 9-11, Granada, in 1492, Lepanto in 1571, Vienna in 1683, Belgrade in 1867. Civil governments have come and gone, and they will continue to come and go. Even in the church, at the highest levels, we've had momentary failures. The first pope not to be called a saint was Liberius, who failed to stand strong against the Arian heresy. It was Honorius I, around 630, who was soft on the monothelite heresy, which denied the human will of Christ. There was the scandal of the women Theodora and her daughter Marozia, who put 
boys and men on and off the papal throne, mother or mistress to some of them in the early 10th century. It was Alexander Borgia, Pope at the end of the 15th century, whose name will always be associated with immorality. But the church has survived, and it will continue to survive in the future until the end of time. Occasionally, occasionally we joke about it. We joke about the fact that the church has survived its leadership, this proof of divine origin. Today we see it's not exactly a joke. We have to, to know and profess our Catholic faith. We have to keep the commandments. We have to receive the sacraments. We have to persevere in prayer and practicing the virtues. God will do the rest. My friends, our blessed Lord admonished the apostles with these words. Why are you fearful? Why are you fearful? O ye of little faith. These same words are directed to us today. Not to, to discourage us, but to lead us to a greater confidence in him. The same God whom even the winds and the seas obey will be with us all days even unto the consummation of the world. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.